What's up, Bandive crew? James here. And before we jump into this episode, I wanted to ask you a question. Have you ever wished there was a way to connect with me as well as other listeners in real time? I have the solution. I finally got around to making a Bandive Discord server, which is people have been asking me for years and I just wasn't listening. I wish I had done this sooner because I couldn't be happier with the results. It's been fantastic. And we would love to see you join us. We have discussions about the music business, gear, the podcast, and a general channel as well. You can join the discussion now by visiting bandhive.rocks slash discord. Again, that is bandhive.rocks slash discord. Welcome to episode 114 of the Bandhive Podcast. You're listening to the Bandhive Podcast, the number one online resource for DIY bands to learn about the music business and touring. If you want to turn your band into a lean, mean touring machine, you're in the right place. Now, let's get this show on the road. It is time for another episode of the Bandhive Podcast. My name is James Cross, and I'm here by myself for another solo episode. Looking forward to when Matt Hose gets back, but in the meantime, I've got another topic for you, inspired by an interaction that I had. I'll get into the backstory in a second because uh, it's kind of interesting. But first of all, let me just tell you what we're going to talk about, which is how to choose a name for your band or if you're a solo artist for yourself so you can stand out, have the right brand, and really be confident in the name you are presenting to yourself. This is really important because there are a few pitfalls that many bands fall into. You can have people confused between multiple different bands, like uh, the band Ghost. They, for a while, were known as Ghost BC because there were two bands named Ghost. That also falls under the legality section that we'll talk about, where, you know, maybe you can't use that name legally because somebody else owns it. Uh, And then, last but not least, make finding yourself easy. Like, if people can't find you online, they're not going to listen to you. Like, if there's any friction at all there, they're not going to listen to you. So those are three quick things about why this is important, and we'll get into the details shortly. But let me give you that backstory that I mentioned now. I, I was handling some support work for an artist. They were called Save Ferris, and I was like, hey, that's cool. I like Save Ferris. They're a legendary ska band from the 90s, and they're still around. So super cool that I'm helping this band out. And then I realized that it was not Save Ferris the ska band, it was some brand new mumble rapper who clearly either had A, not Googled the name Save Ferris to see if anyone else was using it, or B, Googled it and decided, I don't care, I'm going to steal this band's name because I can, which legally he probably can't. Who knows? I'm not going to get into that because I'm not an attorney. You know, two weeks ago on episode 112, we talked about trademark and copyright and all that. So if you want to learn more about that side of things, go back to bandhive.rocks slash 112 to uh, listen to episode 112, see the show notes there and get into all that. But main thing, this guy just for one reason or the other, whichever one it was, is oblivious to how bad it is to steal somebody else's band name. I wrote back to him and basically told him how much I love Ska and I saw them at Warp Tour 2017 and I don't know if he got the message. Maybe he will, maybe he didn't. Just try to show him, hey, people are going to be confused about this if he if he knows about it. And if not, maybe he'll Google Safe Ferris and find out. So all that said, you know, <laughs> this guy stole a band's name, whether he knew or not, it's not the right thing to do. And if he didn't know, well, that's not an excuse because it's called Google. And like, if you don't Google yourself when you set up your band's website, you're messing up. And really, you should Google your band name or your stage name before you choose any of this stuff. 
that's what we're going to get into today. And that's what inspired this episode. And uh, if you follow me on Twitter and Instagram, you might have seen a, uh, a post I made about this, about Googling your band name before you choose it. But there are actually several things to consider when choosing your band name. I have put it down to uh, seven things on this list. So we're going to go through. The first one is your style. Uh, you, you want that band name or stage name to fit the music you play. You know, like Cannibal Corpse is a great name for a death metal band. But if you're like a bluegrass band, that's probably not going to vibe so well with your target demographic, with, it, with your audience that you're going after. You know, people aren't going to say, oh, yeah, Cannibal Corpse, that banjo is great. It's like, no, that, that doesn't fit. But on the other hand, Rascal Flats, great name for a country band. Very fitting. Wouldn't work for anything heavy. It just doesn't have that vibe. Like Sleeping With Sirens, that is a vibe for rock music. Less Than Jake, yeah, that, that kind of has like a ska vibe to it. And that's not saying that they only work in this genre. Sleeping With Sirens certainly would be a strange name for a country band or a bluegrass band or even a pop band. Sleeping With Sirens is kind of out there. Black Veil Brides, <laughs> great name. I would not expect to see it for a country band or a folk band or anything like that. You really have to know who your target demographic is and choose a name based on that. Something that fits your style, your sound, your genre, all that stuff. Number two is the uniqueness of your name. You want to make sure that your name is unique. And this is especially if you're going to use your own name as a solo artist. For example, I put here, if your name is Bob Smith, that is a terrible name to use as an artist because there are thousands of Bob Smiths across the world. Now, maybe you can blame Bob Smith's parents all, all around the world, but that doesn't change the fact that there's too many of you for you to ever stand out with a name like Bob Smith. There's a couple options there. The first thing is you could do what Davey Havoc from AFI did. His actual name is David Marchant. He said, I'm going to be Davey Havoc with a K instead of a C, so it's even more unique. And that's his stage name that he goes by. Or you could do what Snoop Dogg did and just make up a name entirely. Because Snoop Dogg's name is Calvin Cordazar Broadus Jr. That's a mouthful. Just imagine seeing on a poster, Calvin Cordazar Broadus Jr. Like, what? No. And no shame to him. Like, that's a cool name. It just doesn't work for an artist. I have a really long name too, like with all my middle names and it's weird and stuff. So I'm not hating on him for his name. I'm not hating on him at all. But what I'm saying is it was very smart of him to say, I'm not going to use that. I'm going to call myself Snoop Dogg because that is part of his brand now. And it's unique. No one else has that. There's lots of Calvins out there. I don't think there's lots of Calvin Broaduses, but I mean, there might be for all I know. Either way, what sounds cooler? Calvin? Or Snoop Dogg? Yeah, Snoop Dogg, obviously. So if you have a name that's not exciting, don't be afraid to spice it up in some way that makes you stand out, makes you unique, and gives you an edge above the competition on Google and other search engines, which, I mean, it's 2022. Does anyone use a search engine that's not Google anymore? I don't know, but yeah. Either way, whether you decide to just change your name a little bit or use a completely made-up stage name, Make sure that if people Google you, they are going to find you and not somebody else. This is the problem. If people search my name, James Cross, a British diplomat comes up. He died in January of 2021 after leaving a nice long life. I think he was like 90 years old. Good for him. But if you Google my name, 
that is who comes up. So if I were to be an artist, I would not want to go by James Cross because there's a lot of James Crosses. And, and to just put this in perspective, my dad is also James Cross. So in my town, there are two James Crosses in my family alone. And then when I went to the eye doctor, I found out that there is a third James Cross who I have no relation to and have never met in the same town. And now the eye doctor has to be extremely careful to not mess up our records. So they're always asking to confirm which one I am, and they ask my birth date, my phone number, all that kind of stuff, just to make sure that they absolutely have the right one. Point being, if you do not have a unique name, and James Cross, even though it's a common name, is not that common. There's multiple people in this area, which only has about 60,000 residents. So three people out of 60,000 have the same name. That seems like not a lot, but trust me, it is. So if you're a Bob Smith or a James Cross or a John Doe, use a stage name. That's not negotiable. Use something so that if people Google you, they will find you and not an old British diplomat. Next up, if you're choosing a band name rather than a stage name, or maybe even for a stage name as well, pick a name that has a cool acronym. So for example, A Fire Inside, better known as AFI. That's a great acronym. My Chemical Romance, 30 Seconds to Mars, Stone Temple Pilots. They all have great acronyms, which are MCR, 30STM, and STP. They're catchy abbreviations or acronyms. So for example, the abbreviation for My Chemical Romance is My Chem. That's cool. That works. People like that. And when you add in that MCR has the MC Army, their fan club, that is just, ooh, it clicks. It gives you that pop. It's like, boom, there you go. That's the name of the fan club. Something like that is catchy. It's all about branding. On the flip side, if your name doesn't work out as an acronym, you might have problems. I once worked with a band called Tented Personality. I will leave that one up to your imagination. Don't Google it. But then there's also other bands like Jimmy Eat World. They actually made a post about this recently saying, hey, if you're going to choose a band name, make sure the abbreviation can't be taken the wrong way. Yeah, from like January 2022, they made a post about that. So they're conscious of it. And I don't know if they regret their name. I think it's a cool name, but the acronym, you know, it can be confusing. Just choose an acronym that makes sense. Choose a band name that makes sense. So you don't have an acronym that will be confusing or potentially misleading to people. And then of course, if your band name is super long, you might end up with an acronym like, I have to read this from my notes because it's so long. T-W-I-A-B-P-A-I-A-N-L-A-T-D which is for, the world is a beautiful place and I am no longer afraid to die. Way too long. Like, cool band. But no. Ever tried putting that on a shirt? No, that, that doesn't work. And that's one of these considerations for your band name. It should have a cool acronym, but it also needs to fit on a shirt. So if your name is, the world is a beautiful place, blah, 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 that's not going to fit on a shirt. Now, they typically go by, the world is, that's fine but it's not the most appealing name either. Why not just pick a name that's appealing in the first place? So when you're choosing your name, make sure that you're not making people think you're something that you're not. Also make sure that it fits on your merch, whether it's the acronym or your full band name, it has to fit on your merch. The next thing, number four, is make your band name easy to pronounce and easy to spell. I'm a big fan of the band Paris, or rather Paviris. But many people don't realize that what is spelled Paviris is actually Paris. They did this for trademark reasons, from what I'm aware of. 
Maybe I'm wrong, but as far as I know, it was because there is another band called Paris with an A, so they made themselves Paviris with a V. Which is interesting because for trademark purposes, misspellings don't count. But they got away with it somehow. Either way, you know, that's become a common thing, replacing A with a V in band names. Okay, people can get that. You can get around that. But there was an example that came up in our Facebook group. A while back on, I believe it was episode 44, we interviewed the owner of Least of All Records. But it is not spelled Least of All. It is spelled L-E-E-S-T-A space V-A-L-L. I love the name. It's a great name. But if you only hear it and you don't see it, you can't find it on Google. So Least of All Sound Recordings, great name. But people need to see it in text to know what it actually is. Otherwise, they're going to assume it's Least of All rather than least of all. And that could easily happen to any band name where you choose a unique spelling. For example, and this is one that we'll talk about a little later, Linkin Park. Everyone knows how to spell Linkin Park now. But when they were just starting out, I bet they went through a phase where they had to say L-I-N-K-I-N Park. Because people wouldn't think about that 25 years ago when they started. They would not have thought, oh yeah, instead of Lincoln, it's Lincoln. That's, no. It's spelled Lincoln. Nobody says it Lincoln. It's Lincoln. But the band spelling it Lincoln, the way it's basically phonetically pronounced, people wouldn't be aware of that. Number five is make sure that there is no competition for the name, legal or otherwise. The first thing you want to do is Google the name you want to choose and see if anyone else is using it. And if they are... <laughs> Just skip that name, go on to the next one. Because even if you could legally use that name, if somebody else is already using it, you're going to be competing with them on Google. And either they're going to try to come after you, or you're just never going to outrank them on Google, or you're going to be fighting for ranking on Google. None of those three are ideal options, so stay away from that. If there's somebody else on Google, just move on to the next name. Next, go to the United States Patent and Trademark Office's Trademark Electronic Search System, or TESS, and search it for the name that you want to use to make sure that there are no conflicts on the name in the trademark database. And to add to that, if you're not in the U.S., search your local country's trademark system as well to make sure there's no conflicts there. I cannot stress this enough. You otherwise might get into legal trouble even if you don't file for a trademark yourself, just at least search for it. Search to make sure there is no conflict so you can do your best to stay out of trouble. If you need more help with that, contact a trademark or intellectual property attorney. Happy to put you in touch with one, like I said, on episode 112. But main thing, search it and make sure that there is no conflict there. Number six, it should be a name that you can get the domain name for. And this is actually why Lincoln Park is not Lincoln Park. They decided to use that phonetic Lincoln spelling because LincolnPark.com spelled the proper way was not available. So they said, we're going to be Lincoln Park spelled uniquely instead of spelled the proper way. But the name Lincoln Park sounds exactly the same. Now, 25 years later, I think that was the right move. I think that made them much more appealing and fit their branding a lot better than Lincoln Park spelled the proper way would have. On that note, there's a reason that we use bandhive.rocks as our domain name. And that's very simple, is that bandhive.com 
is for sale for $3,000. That's a lot of money to dump into a domain name. So I'm not going to buy it. If somebody wants to buy it for me and give it to me, feel free. But I'm not going to drop $3,000 on a domain name that I don't need. So I chose bandhive.rocks. But in most cases, I would say make sure that you can get a name where the .com is available because that is what most people expect. And I just want to point out that I did buy the domain name bandhiverocks.com. So if people type that in, they still get to bandhive.rocks. I'm kind of foolproofing myself there by making sure that if people mess up the domain name, they still have a chance of getting to the right name. And to wrap it up, number seven, last but definitely not least, do you vibe with the name? If you're going to spend the next decade or two saying this name in interviews, all kinds of stuff, you need to be sure that you actually like the name. You have to say, hey, we're going to live with this name. So we better like it and we better be sure that this is the one we're going to go with. You don't want to be like my friend's band, A Colorful Symphony. Uh, Sorry, I mean Nautica. No, wait. I mean Stay Home. And change your band's name every year for three years. And that was how long the band was even together. You just don't want to do that because if you're constantly rebranding and stressing about changing your name, all you are is Mouse Rat from Parks and Recreation. I don't even know how many names Mouse Rat went through on that show. But I've seen the real-life equivalent of that. Just please don't do that. Pick a name that you resonate with, that you love, that meets all these other requirements of, you know, it's Googleable, it's easy to remember, it fits your brand, it's not conflicting with anyone else. Do all that and pick a name that you vibe with for your band. I know this sounds like a ton of work to pick your band name, and I'll be honest, it is. It took me ages to come up with the name Bandhive, and then it actually was my friend Miro who came up with it. And shout out to him. Like he said, oh yeah, you can use it. He was helping me brainstorm ideas and said, yeah, here's this idea. And I liked it and he let me use it. So thank you, Miro, for coming up with the name for Bandhive. I really appreciate it. My point here is go through the steps for the name because I would hate to see somebody in our community choose a name and then all of a sudden get a cease and desist from some other band or just not have success because people can't find them on Google or even something as silly as people can't spell it. I would hate to see that happen. So please go through these steps when you're naming your band to give yourself the best chance of success going forward. That does it for this episode of the Bandhive Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening. I really appreciate it. And I hope that you learned some really useful tips about how to name your band here. If you've already named your band, it might be too late. But if you do ever consider a rebrand, make sure to come back to this episode. And if you haven't named your band yet, absolutely, absolutely go through these steps. I cannot stress enough how important it is. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back next Tuesday at 6 a.m. Eastern time with another new episode right here in your favorite podcast app. Until then, I hope you have a great week. Stay safe. And of course, as always, keep rocking. Hey, you. Yeah, you with the headphones or the speakers. You've made it to the end of the episode. Thank you so much for listening. While I still have you here, if you're not already in the Bandhive Facebook community, it would be great to see you there. We have over 600 like-minded musicians who are asking questions, sharing their experiences and advice, and much more. So if you want to improve your band's business, look no further than the Bandhive Facebook community. 
You can find it by searching for Bandhive on Facebook, that's B-A-N-D-H-I-V-E, or going to bandhive.rocks slash group. Again, that's bandhive.rocks slash group, and that will automatically redirect you to our Facebook community. I look forward to seeing you there soon.